0: everyone. It's Kelly. Before we get started with the podcast, I wanted to tell you about our annual fund campaign, More Choice, Louder Voice, now through the end of August. RCBRC is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization, and we need the help of our listeners to continue to provide resources like this podcast. Would you consider making a donation or becoming a podcast sponsor? Head on over to wwwrcbresourcesorg backslash donate to make your contribution today. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to our August 2022 bonus episode of RCV Clips, our podcast about all things Ranked Choice Voting. I'm Kelly, a member of the Resource Center staff, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about our new internship program with our summer interns, Emily Kramer and Emma Goodell. To fill in our listeners, back in the winter of this year, we began planning our internship program with a projected summer launch. We've been talking about the benefits of a program like this for some time, and recognize that an internship program could do two things. First, help us with our workload. And second, provide a space for undergraduates and graduate students to experience nonprofit work in the election reform space. Emily, Emma, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having us. It's an honor. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So before we get started, I always like to ask questions like this when we're getting to know folks. Tell me a little bit about something interesting or fun or exciting about yourself that we don't know.
1: I would say for me, um, I really like music. I minored in music as an undergraduate, and my focus um, professionally is working with young voters, especially college students. So yeah, that's pretty fun. Uh, I'm similar to Emma in that way. I um, really like music. I've liked it my whole
2: life, and I've done choir my whole life. I play guitar. I was in my college's a cappella group, so yeah. Very cool.
0: sounds like we could have a, a little RCBRC um, music group. <laughs> I, I actually also love music too. And and actually my dream in my next life is to come back as a rock star who could be up on stage singing, you know, uh, maybe Carrie Underwood style. So, I, you know, music is a huge part of our lives too. So um, thanks for sharing that little bit of info. So let's move on to what you're doing now. So you're both in school. And um, we'd love to know a little bit about what your path in your education has been and is and where it's going next.
1: So I graduated from Allegheny College, which is a small liberal arts institution in Western Pennsylvania. And I majored in political science. I graduated in 2021. And because I love learning things and because I'm a huge nerd, uh, the following fall, I started my master's program. I'm getting my master's degree in public administration at American University School of Public Affairs. So now I am coming to you today from my home in Washington, D.C., where AU was located. It's a really rewarding program. I'm so happy to be involved with it. Uh, I think I'll be sort of concentrating. That's sort of like the the master's degree of majoring, if you will. Um In applied politics, which is sort of like the political science uh, theory focused branch of public administration, it talks a lot about how citizens behave, how voters behave, and that's where my passions lie. So, yeah, getting an MPA is a really exciting thing, and I can't wait to finish it up this year.
2: I am a current undergraduate student in um, a small school in South Jersey called Stockton University. Um, I'm a double major, so I'm getting two bachelor's degrees, one in political science and one in languages. Um, I also have an undergrad in global studies, which is kind of looking at the effects of globalization, which is also really cool. I am going to be a senior, so I am currently studying for the LSATs. I'm getting ready to go to law school, Um, but my passion is in human rights and Protecting human rights for all people. I work a lot with an organization called Amnesty International, um, and I hope to go into law school focusing on human rights law and immigration law. So, yeah.
0: Wow, we can definitely see why we hired both of you this summer. Um, you guys are super impressive in your um, in your journey, and I have to admit, Emma, I'm also a nerd. Keep being a nerd. They're the best. <laughs> So let's switch tracks just a little bit. Um, You guys are doing some really great things education wise, but how did you decide to apply for this internship?
1: So yeah, I think I'll touch on this a little bit more down the road, but I will say that if elections don't work, a democracy doesn't work. And I think it's really important that citizenry be engaged, educated, and with ranked choice voting, really um, a ubiquitous, fairly common thing at the local level, regardless of whether the municipality is in a red state or a blue state or a purple state. I would say that based on my time here, I've learned that it's on the rise and it's only gaining more traction and more attention. I mean, at the federal level, we're about to see a congressional election uh, conducted in Alaska using ranked choice voting. So I would say as someone who nerds out about elections and getting people to vote, it's our responsibility, you know, as election nerds to make sure that everyone has all of the information that they need going into an election. Because again, another thing that I've learned here is that if someone doesn't understand uh, a voting method or the way an election works, they're not very motivated and they're less likely to actually cast a ballot. And I think that's a really harmful thing. So Voter education is where it's at, and I'm really happy to be contributing to the organization in that way.
2: I had just finished an internship where I wrote a report about the diversity of New Jersey, which was very like journalism-based. So I have kind of was interested in what I could do outside of human rights that could relate to human rights. And I kind of just looked at a bunch of internships that related to democracy because I knew that Without democracy, it's really hard to keep human rights alive and protected. So I I looked through a bunch and I saw, you know, Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center. And I knew about Ranked Choice Voting because I, I had been in a political science intro to politics class. So I knew about it. I didn't know that it was quite as popular in the United States. I didn't realize that how that many jurisdictions had been using it. I just thought it was some sort of like, you know, theory that had been kind of talked about that was interesting. But, you know, I kind of have been able to come into this internship and really learn about it and kind of use my human rights perspective and really put, I think, a different spin. And I think I'm going to take away the way that I use human rights in the future. I'm going to focus a lot on election administration. I'm going to learn about voter education because kind of like Emma said, you don't really have empowered voters. You don't have a strong democracy. You don't have the protection of human rights without strong elections and voter education.
0: You're absolutely right. And, you know, my political background um, was really in running campaigns for, um, electeds. And, you know, I, I, knew then how important it was to have an educated, um, voter because you want them to know a lot about your candidate, but also you want people to feel comfortable going to the ballot box, you know, filling out their ballot, um, being knowledgeable about what the candidate stands for, And I think that's so important in in, um, what we do here at the Resource Center. And also the the work we do with actual election administrators. There are so many moving wheels and cogs and things that go on behind the scenes in our elections. We want to make sure that election administrators feel supported and have resources um, when they actually do implement ranked choice voting. Um, So really good points. So let's talk a little bit about what you've actually been doing here. Um, Emily, why don't you start and tell us a little bit about what the projects have been, and um, I know you have been very research-based and very helpful to my position in particular, but take it away.
2: (laughs) Yes, so I've kind of learned a lot about, you know, the communication side. I, I had a little bit of experience with, you know, communications for, you know, a bunch of different projects that I've done in the past, but I'd never done it for a nonprofit before, so it was a very interesting sort of perspective that I got. Um, for instance, I did a social media audit of you know basically everything we've posted on social media for the past like three years, um, and I kind of got a lot of insight on how you know the analytics work and how you know engaged our audiences with the things that we post and. I thought that that was very important because I didn't really think of it as that big of a deal. I mean, social media is just social media, but, you know, the resource center is only as good as the audience that it promotes to. you know, you can be talking as much as you want about, you know, education, voter education, learning about the intricacies of ranked choice voting, but if you're talking to a wall, that doesn't really matter. So it's important to kind of gauge who we're talking to on social media and who's most engaged and why they're engaged and what's keeping them engaged. So I've learned a lot for that. Um, I've also done a little bit of, on fundraising and learning about, you know, who who is likely to fundraise. I never knew that um, people who – You know, donate. I never understood anything other than just they're random people. You know, they donate because why not? And to learn that maybe they have a background in politics that makes them want to donate. Maybe they have been in election administration and they want to donate. I had never really thought that, um, you know, to think about the donor's past and to learn about, you know, what brings them to ranked choice voting because just like social media, what draws your attention to you know, a post could also draw your attention to donate and to help us achieve our mission. So that was really cool to look at. Um, I also did a bunch of just, you know, I looked at a little bit of ballot measures. I to learn about where ranked choice voting was. I did a little bit of research on Vermont and, you know, how their passed with ranked choice voting, whether or not it exists and, you know, if they are in a position where they can have ranked choice voting, You know, it was very interesting. I kind of did a little bit of everything, which was very unique. And I I was excited to do it because I got to see a little bit of the research side. I got to see a little bit of the, you know, communication side. I got to see a little bit of everything. So that was really cool. On top of learning about ranked choice voting. So
1: Emily is focused on comms, fundraising, development. I was sort of on the other end of the spectrum. I was the research and policy intern. Um, my focus is really taking apart a lot of state and city uh, charters, um, rules, other policies in place about how ranked choice voting was conducted in that jurisdiction. I'm putting together this policy report called you know, Ranked Choice Voting 101, and it covers basically Um, a really broad uh, summary of what ranked choice voting is, where it's used, why it works, why it might not work, what you need to make it work, things like that. Uh, What I've also worked on um, have been some case studies about ranked choice voting in previous jurisdictions, so I've done a lot of research. Uh, The pro is learning more about ranked choice voting every day. The con is having to navigate the websites of like super small towns that don't always have the most updated information. I mean, there are still some towns of like less than a thousand people that I'm trying to research uh, because there's so little information about them.
0: Absolutely. You know, I think one of the best things about internships or even working for a nonprofit organization or something like the Resource Center, Election Reform Advocacy, um, which are other organizations in our space doing that, you learn so much about people, about the voters, about, um, you know, how all of this interconnects together to make sure that the work gets done. And, and I have to tell you, Emma, you are working with one of the foremost experts in the nation, Chris Hughes, on ranked choice voting, and Ryan brings so much to the table also with um, his experience in Maryland, um, serving as chief of staff for Senator Kagan, and so you couldn't work with two better policy people than those two guys, Um, so glad that you had that opportunity. So I'm going to move on just a little bit, um, and I want you to talk, I know you've given me a lot of things that you've learned. But I want you to talk about just give me one thing, so it's going to be a quick and easy answer about something you've done here that you will use, that you think you will use in your career.
1: I mean, the simplest answer for me, like the quickest one, is the policy report and the case studies that I contributed to, because that has given me a lot of really valuable insights on how RCD is being used in the United States. And I think no matter uh, what position I hold in the near future, I I could see myself using that information.
2: The answer for me also is very simple. Learning about the ins and outs of how a nonprofit works is definitely where I'm going to be for the rest of my life. So learning about it at the resource center, especially how communications work, how research works at a nonprofit, you know, about all of the little intricacies that work that not makes nonprofits the way that they are, as unique as they are in the United States is what I'm going to keep with me for the rest of my life. So, yeah, definitely.
0: So I'm glad that you guys were able to experience And and sometimes nonprofit work can be even a little bit chaotic. Um, You know, we're a small team. We have a lot of different hats that we wear. We do a lot of, um, you know, collaborative decision making, um, which really works for us. Now, you guys are our first interns ever. So that we're really excited about that. Um, But we're definitely going to continue the internship program. If you could give one piece of advice to an incoming intern, what would you say?
1: For me, I would say speak up more. Um, I got my very first internship right after my freshman year of college. Um, I was interning for a member of Congress in their district office, and I walked into that small office just telling myself, don't speak unless spoken to, just focus on getting your work done. You know nothing. <laughs> you know that was kind of my mindset. Um, you know, obviously, I'd be I'd be really friendly to employees and supervisors, but I didn't really speak my mind a lot. Um, I was a lot more shy than most people <laughs> think I am, and that's been my mindset going into um, a lot of professional opportunities. Because I mean, as a college student and now as a graduate student, the positions that I apply for are very. Uh, entry level, you know, bottom of the hierarchy. I would say though, um, ever since I took a class this spring on organizational analysis, which I highly recommend no matter what your degree may be, whether you are a student or not, um, I would say it's that obviously leaders have a generous amount of expertise and skills, but the best leaders also learn from the folks at the bottom. They go into the hiring process thinking, like, if I hire this person, what will I learn from them? What skills can they bring to the organization? So, look, at this point in my life, you know, I'm not qualified for a senior level position, but I tell myself that people hired me for a reason. And despite my lack of seniority, I still have really valuable expertise on election education on getting young voters, especially, you know, I'm a college student and an organizer on getting our youngest voters more involved in the political process, which I think is super valuable because our electorate is only getting younger and younger. So yes, back to the original point, you might not be the, at the top of the pyramid, but you have expertise, you have skills, you can contribute something really fabulous. And Just speak up more, you know, give folks your insights. You might have the solution that the team is looking for. So don't doubt yourself, basically.
0: I'm going to interject here just a little bit because I think you're bringing up another important point. And it's something that happens in the private sector as well as the nonprofit sector and really everywhere. And particularly with young women, we really do need to not be afraid to make our voices heard. Um, you know women in politics women in leadership positions women who are coming in in, in the the entry-level positions um, Emma you nailed it right on the head when you said I was hired for a reason and you need to definitely you know hold your for my in my opinion actually that's holding your weight for the team um, I, I don't want to um, you know not, speak up when I think something needs to be said or not speak up when I think a little better way to do something or not speak up with even a question. Um, And I think that's so important. You know, a lot of the larger nonprofits, and I'm talking about like the, you know, 10 million budgets and up, um, their C-suite leaders are not females. And we want to see that change, right? And you know, a lot of the lower end, smaller nonprofits, there there is more female leadership, but I think we need to make more of an effort in the nonprofit space for our voices to be heard as women. Um, and, and I would encourage you both to do that. And, and even, you know, young women who are listening to this, um, you know, you're you're there for a reason. Everybody's there for the why. So are you. So speak up and speak out.
2: Yeah, I honestly think my answer goes a lot goes along very well with this. Um, I I think a lot of times as a woman in any space, I think you're afraid of asking questions because you don't want to look dumb because you feel like there's so many people who are already waiting for you to fail. So I think a lot of times I get in my head that asking a question and not knowing the answer and approaching somebody means that I'm failing, like means that I'm not smart, but it shows that you are smart and you you want to know the information so that in the future, you already know the answer. Um, I think a lot of times in past internships, I've kind of just sat in the confusion and I have, you know, sometimes that's really beneficial for you because you work through it and you use your own skills and your own problem solving skills to work through the problem but sometimes you save yourself a lot of heartache a lot of you know frustratingly going over every little detail on your computer by just asking a question to one of the people who have done this for years and years and years and you save yourself a lot of time and I think I've used that skill a lot at this internship and it's been super helpful because, you know, there are great people at this internship who know, at this organization rather, who know what they're talking about, you know, and, you know, I'll be struggling and sitting here and sometimes there is no answer. And that's also something that I've had to learn is, you know, when I was going through a lot of the ballot measures for, um, you know, just seeing if, you know, uh rank choice voting was on the ballot on a ballot measure sometimes when the answer was no there was just no information and i had to be okay with that and i've reached out to Ryan Kirby and he was just like yeah it's probably not there and i just had to be okay with that and you know asking questions has been something that you know makes you be a better intern it makes you be better at what you're doing and it and it doesn't make you look dumb it makes you look you know like you want to learn and isn't that like way better than spending five hours on a project and having no success.
0: I agree 100%. And, and you know, that's that's a universal feeling. There are times when I've felt that way, um, even in this job, after a lot of years in nonprofit, a lot of years working in um, politics, you, you just really need to be, you know, and I actually, when I'm on a call with a group of people and someone asks a question, probably about 90% of the rest of the people are thinking the question too. So um, I love those, both of those tips, speak up, speak out, give your opinion, ask questions. Um, And I'm grateful that both of you are already living those, that bit of advice um, as, as we've seen you do this summer. So that's great. So like I said, one of my main jobs is the fundraising side of the work we do. And, you know, it's a pretty important part of nonprofit because without funding, you really don't have um, the ability to pay your people and to do the projects that you want to do. So um, I've asked everybody on the team this year to help us out with some, you know, helping me understand their why, why are we doing this? Why did you choose Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center? Um, So I'm going to read what you each sent me in the, the quotation that you sent and because I think they're important pieces of information that I want our audience to hear first and foremost, but also I want you to expand just a little bit on um, you know, what you said in this why I support RCBRC. So we're gonna start with um, Emma. Here's what you said when I asked you a few weeks ago. A number of issues are taking center stage right now, but access to free and fair elections will always be my number one political priority. I'm so inspired by RCBRC's efforts to educate the public about how our elections work and their great work to make sure election results are more accurate and efficient through RCTAB. There's no such thing as an overinformed citizen citizenry. So RCBRC's mission to share information with voters, election ministers, and official elected officials alike really resonates with me. So tell us a little more about that.
1: I I definitely still agree with this. I mean, I know it's only been a few weeks, but if you asked me today, I would have come up with a very similar statement. I said that there was no such thing as an overinformed citizenry, but there's also no such thing as, in, in my opinion, there's no such thing as too much voter turnout. More voter turnout means democracy wins, democracy gets stronger. Coming back a little bit more to this quote, I'm at a little bit of a weird crossroads in my life and that I don't know uh, who I wanna be when I grow up, as, as kids say, I'm, I mean, I'm an adult now, but I do know what I want to do. And I know that I want to make sure that the threats to our democracy that have occurred over the past 12 years never ever happen again. I mean, again, I'm not speaking uh, on behalf of RCVRC, but I would argue that the past 12 years have been extremely dangerous in terms of voter suppression and the, the state of our democracy in general. So we think a lot about, you know, voter suppression policies, you know, voter ID laws, uh, restricting poll hours. Those are really serious issues, but at the same time, it's also really dangerous if we don't have a motivated electorate And I think that uh, RCV, for example, has the potential to really motivate the electorate to get out and make their voices heard. At the end of the day, I think that RCVRC plays a really vital role in making sure that folks know more about how their democracy works or doesn't work and what they can do to make it better.
0: You know, I I think you make some good points in there. There are several things that I was just shaking my head, you know, as, as you were speaking, but one thing I wanted to point out, and it, and it sort of pulls it all back around in the circle to RCVRC, um, your point about you can never have enough voter turnout. People turn out for elections when they trust the process. We're on the side of helping them trust the process because we're there to help the election administrators, the policymakers, and even the advocates who who have the campaigns to get RCV in your community um, to understand what it takes to make this happen in a reliable, trustworthy, and secure manner. Um, you know, that's that's critical in the climate we live in today in, in the U.S. We have to do things that help our electorate trust the process. And that's where we come in. We work on helping them trust the process in ranked choice voting elections. Um, such an important point you made. So, Emily, here's what you said. I support RCVRC because I truly believe that the benefits of Ranked Choice Voting can help strengthen and preserve our democracy. However, Ranked Choice Voting can only be successful to help our democracy if it's put into practice. RCVRC both informs voters about the intricacies of Ranked Choice Voting and helps the implementation of Ranked Choice Voting in various jurisdictions. RCVRC helps realize the benefits of Ranked Choice Voting for our democracy, which desperately needs preserving. Tell me a little more about why you said that.
2: Uh, Just like Emma, I stand by 100 percent of what I said. Um, It is extremely, especially the last line, um, like our our democracy desperately needs preserving. I agree with Emma in the fact that the threats to our democracy and democracies abroad everywhere have really suffered a lot of attacks recently in the most recent years. And I think it's important for organizations like the Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center to really help people trust the process, like you said. Um, And I think that by having, you know, it is one thing to have ranked choice voting potentially have all these benefits to our democracy, but it's another thing to actually see the benefits. You know, anybody can sit around the table and, you know, bullet or brainstorm what they think is what can possibly come out of ranked choice voting. They can, you know, write stuff on a report, they could do anything. But, you know, to actually see the effects, I think is the most important part. And, you know, we see these effects by educating people on the on the effects on the possible benefits. And then people start to realize that potentially this could work in their local town for the election of mayor, for example. And I think that that's really important to learn from the jurisdictions that have implemented rake choice voting, see what, how, you know, how it operates, you know, really take their opinions into account and then see how that on a grand scale can help democracy, you know, remain a strong, you know, a stronghold in our
0: world. Definitely. And, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, because they ask what I do, they want to know more, they, know, they also know me. These are lots of people that I am you know, acquaintances with, and they know I'm probably doing something in nonprofit. I'm probably doing something in the political spectrum. Um, but what I tell them is that please be assured. Please be encouraged. Because no matter what you're hearing on the news, no matter what you're hearing from people around you, no matter what you're seeing on social media, there's good work being done for democracy. And we're just a small part of that picture, but you know I'm on meetings every day. I'm meeting people at all these conferences I've been attending. I'm talking to people in the field and they are doing really good work for democracy. And I think we can you know, sort of leave that on a positive note because it, sometimes it feels helpless and it feels like we're not able to, to make a difference, but indeed you are um, with your vote, with your time, with your energy. Um, you can definitely make a, a difference in democracy. So we're to our final question. This one's easy yet hard, which is always, I love this question. It's always, we say it at the end of every single podcast. Describe your experience at Ranked Trust Resource Center in three words or less.
1: For me, I would say analytical because I was on the policy and research side of things. I would say collaborative because yes, I did a solo project, but It's not uncommon for me to work with groups and even work with, you know, the comms and development side of things. Uh, Group projects are really valuable. So despite it being more and more of a buzzword, um, you know, one of those words that is just used all the time, but doesn't really mean anything in the professional world. I would say collaborative is the accurate word to use here. And finally, I would say creative. I mean, I have this weird pattern where I, jokingly come up with funny ideas that I know that we'll never use in a project and these ideas end up being used I mean a couple of weeks ago I was talking to one of my supervisors I jokingly said hey what if we advertise RC tab which is our election tabulation software what if we advertise that uh, via TikTok and the theme is like a really bad early 2000s infomercial you know there's got to be a better way. Don't you hate when you can't count your ballots? You know, things like that. And I fully expected my supervisor to just have a good laugh and we all carry on with our lives. But he was like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. <laughs> so, so I would say we think outside the box a lot. And I really um, am grateful to be in such a creative workspace.
2: I think my three words are definitely welcoming. Um, everybody here has been super welcoming and it's been super exciting to work with people who are as passionate about the work that we do as I am. Um, it's really easy to follow their lead and especially when they're so willing to help you. Um, the next one is kind of the obvious one, but very informative. Um, you know, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about a world that I maybe didn't really have that much information on. I I hadn't done a lot of work or, you know, research on elections and not election reform either. So it was really cool to learn about this space and this world. Um, and the third one, definitely rewarding. I mean, this kind of speaks for itself, but... Anytime you're a nonprofit and you see the work that you're doing, I mean, it's not only rewarding based on the work that I've done, but it's rewarding based on the work that the Resource Center has done as a whole and what individuals at the Resource Center have been able to do. I mean, you know, it's it's you really take on this role and you don't just feel like, oh, this is just my internship that I'm coming into and, you know, I'm going to leave them in 10 weeks like I really felt that I took on this Ranked Choice Voting Resource Center staff member identity. I mean, when I see stuff that's posted on social media about, you know, one of the staff members at a conference, I just have this like pride. I'm like, yeah, look at them doing stuff. And it's it's super exciting. I mean, it's a very rewarding process to be a part of. So I'm definitely grateful for my experience here.
0: Wow. Thank you. Um, I'm glad that You know, that you guys felt welcomed and you felt like we do a lot of collaboration Um, because the three words I would use for our team um, or for the resource center are collaboration and then moving forward. Um, And so we're always looking for ways to move forward. Um, I have probably and I've worked a lot of different jobs all the way from education jobs um, to, you know, volunteer positions, to, to board positions. Um, and very rarely have I seen a team that works as much in synergy as this team does. And by, that, by synergy, I don't mean we always agree with each other. Um, we, we definitely disagree. We definitely talk through things. Um, but we always can come to a solution, which is really unique um, in, in, in a nonprofit world and, and definitely in the public you know, and out in the, the for-profit world. Um, and even sometimes, you know, in group work at the university or, um, when you're volunteering something, not all, it doesn't always feel that way, but I'm, I'm really grateful for our ability to do that. And I look forward to, you know, continuing our internship program and, um, finding some, uh, although I think it's gonna be really hard to find two interns who are as qualified, as hardworking, um, and, and as, as, um, you willing to learn as you two have been. So thank you from our side. Um, we are really grateful to have you guys launch this program for us um, throughout the last 10 weeks. So I'm so glad you guys were here today. Um, looking forward to um, finishing up. What is, I can't remember what your last day is. I think it's coming up kind of soon. Um, probably school is starting pretty soon, but um, we appreciate all the work you've done for us. And um, hopefully you'll stay in touch with us and let us know, you know, where you're headed and where we can help you um, on that side also.
1: This was awesome. Thank you so much for having us. And yeah, no matter where I go next, I'll definitely be in touch.
2: Yeah, definitely. I, this was super fun, not just today, but the internship as a whole and getting to know everybody here and, you know, definitely going to keep in touch. So.
0: And now for this month's final round, where we share an interesting bit of trivia, useful tidbit, or something we just thought was cool for folks to know about ranked choice voting. Here's Emma Goodell with this month's final round. Ranked choice
1: voting may be relatively new to mainstream politics, but RCV is no stranger to student governments. According to FairVote, 87 colleges and universities in the United States use RCV to conduct student government elections. The list of institutions includes small liberal arts colleges and large flagship state universities and represent a total of 33 states and territories. Higher education can play a major role in getting students involved in the political process, and that's why student governments work to use
0: RCV is this month's final round. Thank you for joining us today for our August 2022 RCV Clips bonus episode produced by the Rate right Choice Voting Resource Center. You can find our show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe to the show for the latest episodes and updates and take a minute to rate and review us on your favorite platform. For more information about RCBRC and ranked choice voting, check out our website at www.rcvresources.org. The production of this podcast is supported by the generosity of our donors. Donations can be made directly on the website or by texting donate rcb that's all one word to 51555 please don't hesitate to contact us with any donation questions at donate at org. be sure to follow us on twitter and instagram at rcbresources resources and on facebook and linkedin at ranked choice voting resource center our theme music for today is flutterby by pottington bear Until next time, I'm Kelly Seacrest on behalf of the Ranchers Voting Resource Center.